0: Welcome to our latest episode of Inside the Post-Dispatch, a podcast that brings us inside the newsroom of the Post-Dispatch. Like most things and podcasts lately, we actually are not in the newsroom. We are recording a Zoom from afar um, due to the coronavirus. Um, With us today is Police Chief John Hayden. Um, He has been Police Chief for going on three years and on the force since 1987 and our reporter Joel Courier, who are going to be talking about a project in the works um, that the paper has been doing for quite a while looking at gun violence. Um, The Post-Dispatch is partnering with the Kansas City Star, Report for America and the Missouri Foundation for Health on the Missouri Gun Violence Project. Um, We're recording this on Thursday, November 12th. The stories are gonna start running over the weekend. Um, You'll see them on stltoday.com and on the other newspapers that are involved. So to begin, we're gonna start with Joel Courier, who has has some questions and can probably talk a little bit more about the project as well. So take it away.
1: Thank you, Leah, I appreciate it. you know, Chief, you've been on the force for a long time, as Leah mentioned, um, more than three decades now. So you know St. Louis pretty well. Um, I think that's fair to say, right? <laughs> I, I agree with you. Um, and when you look at violent crime in St. Louis, as uh, over the years, I'm sure you've done analyses. It tends to be intensely concentrated um, in some. Higher crime neighborhoods, sometimes, sometimes drilled down to even maybe an apartment complex or a or a stretch or two one or two blocks. So I guess the question um, is how does the police department sort of shape its enforcement around that? And I guess maybe the pressing question is: given the the rising violent crime rate right with you know aggravated assaults and homicides this year, what needs to happen? right now, if it isn't already happening to curb the violent crime rate in St. Louis?
2: Sure, so I, I think one one thing that people need to understand when you talk about uh, particularly aggravated software with firearms and homicides, those uh, we are, and I track those one by one, and you know, th- those, are, those are kind of I track very closely. So what you'll have is in you know, circumstantially would be that uh, we've determined that probably 50% or so, anywhere between 35 and 50% of those incidents are drug related, okay? Another thirty-five to fifty percent, uh, uh, and they and they and they combat they battle back and forth, would be uh, personal disputes, and then and then a the third category would be domestic situations, family or persons that live together, what have you. And so what 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 we record every day, of course, is just the number. Hey, homicides have increased, but it, but in actuality, what we're trying to do is intervene on some very personal circumstances, and that's that's the biggest challenge to what. The police can do these are these are in other words they they pop up randomly around the city, but the victims and the suspects they are not random encounters those those persons know each other at at, at least uh, loosely acquainted and so there's a, there's something there uh, that, that that of course uh, comes out in our investigation but that's that's kind of the the context in which I want to want to set this conversation so so in other words so what the, the question is always what can the police do to intervene in a lot of these personal encounters. And I I would tell you that it's very challenging. Uh, um, You you hear me talk about all the time that we don't get a lot of uh, uh, witness cooperation. Uh, And and hopefully we can talk a little bit later in the conversation about something that of course the state is trying to do with respect to some some legislation that gets witness protection. Uh, You oftentimes don't get a lot of victim cooperation. Okay, you know, people don't wanna talk about what they were doing right before the shooting happened. You know, you know. So, so people that survive a shooting, you know, oftentimes they won't. They, we're not even clear where it actually happened at because people want to throw you off of the path of, hey, what were you doing? Were you buying drugs? You know, what? You know, were, were you involved in some dysfunctional personal relationship? Uh, was this just a matter of you owe somebody some money, and they, they want it back? Those kind of things. So very challenging. But from a from a patrol standpoint, so what can you do? So we 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 are really not trying to focus on. In other words, you'd have to have a police officer to intervene every time something like that happened, if that was your goal. So what we do is focus on violent crime areas, and and what you what you all I'm sure you're familiar with. When I came up with the rectangles, um, the the really the difference between the rectangle strategy and hotspot policing is that to acknowledge an area that's in other words, it's a regional approach to this to the same thing. If you say the hotspot policing neighborhoods are Penrose, uh, uh, Wells Wells Goodfellow. Kingsway East Kingsway West if you say that you're talking about some areas that I that I've determined don't cool down and they you know they they, they, they occasionally cool down for a minute but again a lot of the social ills that drive a lot of violent crime in those areas are, 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 are constant and so when I say hotspot policing usually you're, you're, you're going in and out of various neighborhoods within a zone and when, and my first one of course I called, uh, Hayden's rectangle, but we've we've expanded that to uh, some 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 crime reduction zones in both the central patrol division and and the south patrol division. And that one's the, the south patrol. You know, in other words, the central patrol is kind of pre- predominantly downtown, where we know traditional downtown south patrol is Dutchtown, Gravel Park. But all of those areas generate a lot of a lot of our activity and a lot of our resources. So when you talk about what what can police do about violent crime, again, focus in in some of those zones. So you start with your patrol efforts. You put uh, your, your patrol resources, and Dr. Rosenfeld. I know you all are familiar with him. He would say that you need to be 45 minutes inside of, of a particular area in order for people to notice that you're there per watch. And so that's you know you got three watches, three watches per day. He would say you want to spend some time doing that. And so although the original rectangle, I I did not put that particular piece on it. We've added that. We've added that piece, and we'll call that a mission zone. But in other words, the the, the the default zone would be the original rectangles, and then we have since added the mission zones, which 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 allows us to go if there's a violent crime uh, peak in or outside of the uh, the the rectangle, we can address that more quickly, and we get that information from our crime analysis uh, uh, crime analysis unit. Uh, I think you all know or maybe familiar with Emily Blackburn. She's the manager of the crime analysis unit. And, and every every three weeks we update that zone, so the mission zone, that we'll make sure that our officers are surgically uh, being placed where the most crime, the most most violent crime uh, at the time. And so that, so, so the, that's what, Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I didn't mean to interrupt you. So the rectangle strategy still, in a in a sense, is in place. Just it's moved and expanded. I guess the have you found uh, it's as effective in moving it to different parts of the city. Uh, yeah, you found what, that what it's I found that's working.
2: What I what I what I found, so at, at, you know, the first year is extremely effective, you know, we we were down homicides of 24% my first year in 2018. We were down robberies to 20, 23%, aggravated assaults were farms, we were down 60 this is citywide, uh, 16%, and then we uh, 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 were down, I'm sorry, those those numbers are for the for the zone. And 18% uh, reduction in violent crime in the original zone. Uh, and so, again, I, and the following year, I added two zones. Now, what I would say, the, 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 the feedback, of course, would be that my first year was more successful than my second year, but, but the second year was not as, as uh, second year was better than it was when I came in. 2017, if you compare both of those years to 2017, we saw a marked improvement. And so, and so the challenge is, is, to, is to, continue, to continue that focus where 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 most of the activities have that's that's where you can make a difference if you can put your uh, your 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 patrol efforts your efforts from your uh, your your attack units like your SWAT your anti crime your, um, uh, uh, your 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 specialized enforcement you can put those resources SWAT team mobile reserve you put them inside of those areas as well and then you also put uh, your, any type of federal assistance that you might have so the FBI task force will be inside of there. The alcohol, tobacco, and firearms task force will be inside of there. So all of your task forces are will be inside of these areas that you designate to be the high, the, the high crime areas, uh, and then and then you then you buttress that with your your um, your organizations such as Better Family Life. They they'll do work inside of there. The Urban League will do work inside of there. And so what you what you see is a conglomerate, uh, uh, you know, kind of a collaboration between the police department and other resources. Some of some of our own. Or some social services, the the, uh, the clergy coalition. If the, the the as much as many resources that you can put inside a targeted area, the more the better results you're going to have. Uh, and well, I'm
1: I, glad I, you mentioned some of these um, other agencies involved. Do you feel like there's been enough cooperation and coordination with some of these federal agencies? Is are you is it simply a matter of more resources, or uh, are you getting? Are, I, there's a bunch of different approaches at play. I, I think. Project Safe Streets, Operation Legend, um, Cure Violence—I know it's just begun. Um, yeah, I'm guess, glad. You, is there any? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sure. No,
2: I'm. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Operation Legend, so you know that uh, we we had in- experienced a significant. And and when you talk about what happened this year, hey, you can you can really put you know there was there was there was some increase in homicides in June, but our the the real challenge was in July. That's when we had 53 homicides in July. That's unlike we've ever experienced in one month and, and, and probably as, as far back as anyone can remember. But that's when Judge Edwards reached out to the uh, uh, our federal partners and Jeff Jensen, who was a U.S. attorney, was instrumental in getting some HSI investigators into St. Louis, so it was roughly 50 or so. 35 of them are riding around in our police cars and another 15 were assigned to uh, the U.S. Marshals. But in the end, they made 821 arrests they are uh, 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 324, of, of which will be federally prosecuted. Uh, they seized 256 weapons. So that was an example of 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 a, of a cooperative effort between federal agencies and the police department that we welcome each time. Uh, and so the 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 the, uh, the amount of homicides that occurred in June and July versus the amount of homicides that happened in August and September was was cut by 40 percent. And so those are those are some examples. Uh, and what you hope is that the 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 effect of that will be lasting, is what you hope. But but again, you can't you know a lot, lot of those persons that they arrested were 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 violent felons. And so hey, anytime you go into an area, and you and you and you arrest that many violent, that's going to have an impact. Now, what oftentimes you won't be able to see the 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 the, um, the total impact that it'll have right away. But you, you're hoping to benefit uh, those those people won't be out. Uh, you know, 90 days or so of uh, doing the same thing that they did prior to going in.
1: With so many different efforts kind of in conjunction with each other, what's the best way to measure the success of any one program? I mean, you've got the, the law enforcement side, but you've also got the social services side. How do you measure what's working? What's not
2: well, working? Well, this is a good question. Hey, one way you measure it is, here's what you can't measure. You can't measure how many homicides or, are or aggravated software firearms didn't occur because uh, because of these efforts. So you so so there's so you never really know how much you could you can just go by simply was there a reduction in what was currently going on you can always go by that but but if I if I ask James Clark of, of Urban League to and he says hey I got I got a really violent situation whereby there's a, there's some ongoing gun violence and 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 we need to some police assistance to, to relocate somebody or something like that. Then you don't know how many uh, shootings that you didn't have, or retalii- retaliatory shootings you didn't have, because of that effort. But you know that that's important because you know what was going on before that. You know that 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 there were there were there was there had been identified a neighborhood that was experienced of quite a bit of gun violence. So, it's, so sometimes it's a little harder to measure, but you can always say in the long term you know something will be helpful when it when it when it when it, when it actually arrests the violent criminal. But again, arrest alone, and we realize that. You, you can't you can't just totally you can't be only arrest, Cure violence. You've mentioned already, and so that's about violence interruption. And so we have them set up. Uh, the, the 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 mayor has has one set up in Walnut Park. She's got one set up in Wells Goodfellow, and she's got one set up in the uh, in the Dutchtown Gravel Park area. You got two different agencies working together. You got the Urban League's got Walnut Park East and West, and then you have employment connections that's doing doing the other two, and so. Uh, interestingly enough, cure violence is not—they uh, uh, tell us who uh, you know who you know. Hey, I've identified this person. It's not a lot of conversation back. We supply a lot of data assistance for those programs, but uh, but it's up to the violence interrupters to prevent or to discourage people from from responding in a violent way, as they as they had in the past. So again, uh, the, uh, in 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 overall, what you have to do is measure how much you know. You really can go sometimes month to month. Week to week, but how much uh, less aggravated assault with firearms or homicides are occurring in a particular area is really how you measure it.
1: So it takes time to make that analysis. You can't absolutely. look at one month over another. It really takes years and years. Well, maybe not years, but several months of data to see if you've made a difference.
2: And what absolutely and what you would really want to change. And you know, when 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 a lot of the the uh, uh, when you talk about root causes, hey, if if hey, if there's a lot of hey, everywhere where there's where there's a lot of Poverty-stricken area, what I, what I would call distressed areas. Whenever you have a lot of lot of of uh, a lot of poverty, a lot a lot of drug activity, you know, has you know some 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 educational challenges. You're going you're going to have a lot of those social ills. Those social ills compounded by our gun laws in Missouri, which 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 everybody can have a gun. So you have all these social this social dysfunction in a particular particular neighborhood, and then add and then throw some firearms into that. And you and you have it's like gasoline on the fire and so hey I, I would hope at some point to be able to revisit the, the conversation with with the with the governor's office about some 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 stronger gun legislation all we need is a, is for people to have a permit that will that would discourage all the people all the, all the videos we've seen all summer when you see people walking around with ak-47s or, or at, a, at, a, at a at a gas station or whatever if, if, if there was a law like it was before January 2017 you will not see that people won't be carrying guns, and we, we're going to go cruising right down the riverfront, and they got guns with them. But all that would be discouraged if people just had to have a permit to carry a gun. Nobody's going to carry a gun under those circumstances.
1: I was going to ask you about that law change, and I think it was the end of 2016. Has that made a huge difference in the in the way you police and in um, just an unviolent crime in the city? Do you think that 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 reversion of that law make, has made a big difference.
2: I think that 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 has compounded. If you think about what has really happened, if 2017, uh, you know, we had we had 205 homicides, and just just the the, the, the notion that we are were, you know, and, and this year, of course, you have some unique thing with whatever happened in July. It happened across the country uh, in homicides. Uh, you know, we're, if, if the major city chiefs put out a put out a report that said that 57. Uh, 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 cities, 57 major cities are experiencing an increase in homicides this year uh, compared to 2019. And then 30 departments, 30 major city departments, which includes Chicago, Houston, Louisville, Memphis, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, they're experiencing better than a 30% increase. So, so 30 other, 30 of those departments actually experienced significant increase in violent crime, you know, in homicides and aggravated assaults. Uh, but all but 57 of them are experiencing some increase. But at the end of the day, uh, what, what, what you have to have is, is you know, continuous work. It's not an either or. I know that some of the justice reformers is, is saying to, uh, take money away from the police department and give it to uh, uh, some of some of the, uh, the, the cops and clinicians. You have to do both, because if you want to address the root causes, those those circumstances didn't happen overnight. And it's going to be years to address. And that's what I was getting at. The root causes, okay. uh, if, if the root causes have to change in order for this behavior to change,
1: I believe the mayor has has pushed for some sort of exception in the law for St. Louis. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think St. Louis should get some sort of uh, special dispensation out of that particular? Yes, law? I I, I, hmm.
2: I do agree with that. I think St. Louis, the urban communities involved, the, the urban the urban cores. St. Louis is very similar in that regard. Kansas City. I think um, uh, maybe uh, Columbia, you know, has has an urban core, or urban pocket, but I would say that certainly, um, um, folks carrying uh, assault weapons in densely populated areas, densely populated residential areas versus rural areas, I think is night and day. And, and we and we've seen the, the kind of chaos it can cause here. I don't I don't think they experience the level of, of gun violence in some of the rural areas, but hey, in the inner city. Uh, where, where everybody's got a gun, short fuses, uh, complicated by joblessness and any any one of uh, of several social ills, uh, it's it's going it's going to cause some trouble when it comes to violent crime.
1: You know, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but you know, this year there's been a huge focus on police reform across across the country, and I think that's probably been spurred in part by the death of George Floyd in in Minneapolis. Um, what measures do you see? Uh, that could be implemented both to implement reform, but also perhaps to reduce violent crime? Are there any reforms that can do both? And what, what could those be in your view?
2: Sure, so, so first I know that, uh, and, I, and I can't necessarily uh, call, recall the eight points if you will, but there were uh, many of the organizations were calling for no chokeholds, uh, requirement to report activity, uh, misconduct, those types of things. And we are already in compliance with those measures. And so, hey, first things first. When you when you're asking for community trust, you have to listen to community. And and uh, you know the George Floyd incident, of course, uh, put an emphasis on chokeholds. We haven't done chokeholds. Uh, they they were they were outlawed in our department since 2007. And so, uh, those uh, com- community accountability, I think, is something that's very important. But you but but it's interesting that you mentioned about violent crime because hey when i when i talk about witness protection or witness cooperation then the, then part of the part of the how that how that ties into the reduction of violent crime is that if i if i could get people to trust me then they're going to tell me who are the bad people in the neighborhood who are the people that are that are carrying the guns who are the folks that are selling drugs on, on in, in the block those persons are the ones that are causing you know you, there's so much correlation between gun violence and drug activity I mean, hey, if, 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 if neighbors are willing to say, hey, I'm not afraid anymore, there's witness protection programs. I'm not afraid anymore, I trust the police. That's gonna be huge in crime reduction and violent crime reduction because all the precursors that lead to that type of activity is gonna be reported to me before it happens. And so all, all that is about building trust. In fact, uh, coming out of the civil unrest, coming out of COVID, hey, uh, we, uh, we will have a, a very strong interest or rather uh, uh, emphasis on community engagement coming out because that's gonna be the opportunity. People are listening to listening to the police, they wanna hear from the police, they want they want the, the good relationships and the positive relationships. And we're gonna have great opportunities uh in, in, in weeks and months to come to, to bridge that gap between the police department and the community.
1: Given the link between drug activity and violent crime, I mean do you do you see any value in decriminalizing drug cases, drug possession, drug trafficking? I mean if drugs are the root of so much of this, is there any use in 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 undoing some of these laws targeting drugs?
2: I, you know what? Here's the here's the thing. I, you know, uh, and certainly I know that there, there's that there's that you're going to have medical. We already we already have reduced or, or have the category of medical marijuana that type of thing. Hey, the, the challenge is the black as the black market on any of that. And so whatever is you know, hey, I just I can just I know for a fact. That the, the the folks that 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 are the supply, or rather demand, that create the demand for drugs in in those in those distressed neighborhoods, they're not going to Walgreens and, and getting any drugs. They're gonna they're gonna get it in the alley that they got in there last week. They, they, I, you know, and I don't know what 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 qualifications you'd have to have to, to qualify for some legal drug act, legal drug prescription. But, but but point I'm trying to make is, hey, the, the, that this is a quick way to make money. But it's, it's very dangerous and so when people when a lot of times when you hear about homicides and folk were killed overnight sitting in a car that type of thing hey that you know that's a drug, drug dealing and, and, and people will tell you we don't always sh- we don't oftentimes share that on the news i mean hey that's that that, that you know we don't we don't want to blame the victim but people are participating in very risky behavior that is and oftentimes cost them their lives if you you, you, you can't there's no such thing as a safe drug deal. I know people believe that. So they believe they can go somewhere at two o'clock in the morning and sit around and wait for the guy to, to bring the drugs back. I gave the money. Hey, sometimes, hey, this is not, guess what? This is only an acceptance of money. You got something to say, say about it? It's gonna be gunplay. If it, hey, this is hey, whoops, uh, not too long ago, a recent, a recent homicide. Hey, uh, I, I came to score drugs. Here's the exchange. I get the drugs, look at them and say, oh, and then drive off, they start shooting at the car. And so a lot, a lot of our, a lot of our overnight uh, drug activity is, is is really violent prone, and and those are the kind of things that we that we try to address with, with with our resources and then those from social services.
1: Back to homicides for a second. The clearance rate in St. Louis, I think, for last year is about 47 percent. I believe national average is about sixty. I think if you read the research, why is the cities lower than the rest of the country? What do you think? At play there. Yeah. I, so so
2: again, I, I think a big challenge, and you see us ask all the time. You know, uh, we we have we have a, a pretty strong, uh, you know, no, you know, no people don't want to get involved. Hey, if it didn't happen to me, I don't want to get involved. I, I've already mentioned that even vi- surviving victims of shootings. Hey, they they don't want to they don't want to tell us what's going on. So so the, so the no snitching uh, 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 dilemma is strong in St. Louis. But again, how can you improve that? Better community relationships. And so the more trust that I get from from folk, uh, the department establishes in bridging that gap, the more cooperation you get. You see us all the time uh, referring something to crime stoppers. If you you wanna report it uh, anonymously, you can go to crime stoppers. But again, the big challenge is is getting uh, the the type of cooperation that can get that clearance rate up. and so, and so there is help on the horizon. I know that I know that the uh, there is funding and there's funding that the governor is seeking, in order to 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 purchase the witness protection program. One of the bills that he signed was to to approve the witness protection program, and I'm told that that we're not far off from funding the witness protection program. And so, um, I, I've talked to the circuit attorney about that, and, and that's something that she and I both could rally around because she knows that when people come to the circuit attorney's office. To prosecute some of these more serious crimes, that 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 she that the retaliation, fear of retaliation is a real thing. She and I both understand that. And so that would be something that would be something that she and I both could rally around but actually help reduce violent crime as long as we have the program in place that either one, protect folk, put them up in hotels, what have you, or relocate people if we if necessary.
1: I mean, is the no-snitch culture in St. Louis just stronger than it is in other cities? I mean. That, I'm getting back to the, the slightly lower clearance rate for homicides. I mean, yeah, is there I, what do you think it is that is is preventing uh, from police from making those arrests in those yeah.
2: cases? It, it would be speculative. Of other than to say, hey, uh, the 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 any time you compare yourself to another city, you have to ask yourself: Are you really comparing apples to apples? Do do they have the same number of distressed neighborhoods that I have? Do they have the same number of drug infested areas that I have? And if the answer to that is yes, I think what you'll see is that if the same distressed areas uh, uh, are faced with a, with a similar population, you're going to see a lot of those numbers uh, uh, jive together. So when I when I see uh, places that 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 have less distressed areas, less impover- poverty-stricken areas, less drug uh, drug-infested areas, those neighbor those neighborhoods are going are going to uh, are, are going to have less violent crime. So so so. When, while I hear that number, same time I'm, I'm always wondering, hey, is that is that really a fair comparison? Only because the character of each city is a little different.
1: One thing that we often hear about is a shortage of city police officers. You know, the the number kind of usually hovers around 140. Now that the residency requirement has been lifted, um, do you think that'll make it easier to recruit officers? And what other things can the police department do or is the police department already doing to end that shortage or bring down
2: that shortage and put more officers on the streets? Sure, so as, as of Tuesday, we were 142 officers shy of our authorized strength, which is 1,340 officers. And so uh, uh, right now, the, uh, the, the number one impediment to recruitment, according to our recruiters, when the first thing that comes up in those conversations uh, uh, up until now would have been, hey, do I have to move in the city? First question is asked. And so now the answer to, uh, in our recruitment efforts, which would be job fairs or uh, going, to, going to, to colleges in the Midwest or what have you, establishing uh, relationships with places like Harris who has a criminal justice program, you know, those kind of liaisons, working with, working with, those, with those groups uh, should in fact, uh, make that recruitment effort a lot easier and we'll be able to buttress those, those numbers. Um, um, right now we've already, we've already seen, there's probably 10 or 12 folks that just, just by, you know, I think, I think he signed it a couple of weeks ago officially, but the point being is that, uh, uh we've, we've seen, uh, a, a dozen or so folk wanting to come back, you know, and they're, they're in various phases. So these are retreads. We'll be able to put them back on the street as they come. You don't have to start the academy over again. If you're coming from U city, or if you're coming from, 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 uh, from Hazelwood police department, the Florida police department. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to start over. You go, you're going to get a, a familiarization program three to four weeks, and then you're going to be on the street with our officers. And so that's something that's working in our favor. We're getting ready to do a large uh, advertisement campaign, probably uh, heavy, probably for two weeks or so, heavy TV, heavy radio um, ever, advertising to really put the word out, uh, let people know about the different units that you can be in. You know, a lot of people uh, are interested in forensics, those types of things. All of, all of those, we have an ETU unit. We have a homicide division, we have a a narcotics division, we have a mobile reserve, all the things that people really uh, uh, gravitate toward, we have those programs. And so to let people know what we have to offer, to let people know that there's no longer a a residence requirement, and to let people know that we have tuition reimbursement and a lot of of benefits that that come of being a St. Louis police officer, we're going to put that word out. We also have a cadet program. So the cadet program is for people that are 18 to 20. We have 50, first of all, we have 53 recruits in the academy. Uh, you know, the grad, graduate between now and the next couple of months or so. But we also have a cadet program. We have 54 cadets in our cadet program. They're 18 to 20 years old. They get paid $15 an hour. They are they, they, they are at least high school graduates or have a high school equivalency. But the point is, again, exposure to, to various units within and units division within the police department so that they can be familiarized and hopefully we can recruit them when they turn 20 and a half in order to be actual police officers. So it's a familiarization program. The other one is the Ethical, Ethical Society of Police actually has a pre-academy program that, that, that they tell people, hey, if you think you're not sure, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you can make it in academy, we'll take you through report writing, we'll take you through defensive tactics, we'll take you through the, uh, the, the, the fitness test. In order to make sure that you're comfortable, and so that, that, that's that's just three things uh, that that we're doing to to help recruit. Again, this our advertising project will be will be significant. I'm sure you'll you'll see and hear about it, and we're really hoping to really get those numbers up.
1: What I haven't heard though, and I don't I know some of this is out of your control. Is don't you have to pay them more? Aren't they getting paid better at other departments in the region? You know uh, what? So
2: yeah. So so it's, it depends. So. What, what we've always boasted about, and I, I think the difference between St. Louis County and St. Louis City is maybe somewhere to five dollars to 7000 a year, so to speak, to start off. We're right at $50,000, you know, right at 49 some odd thousand once you graduate from the academy. But I think the key is, is that all of them would say that our pension system is a lot stronger. So in other words, if you compare a St. Louis City officer to a St. Louis County officer, yeah, you make a little more money uh, in the beginning. But but in the long run, our pension system is is is, is much more desirable uh, for career employees, and so there's a trade-off there. Of course, you know we we were we were we were all before COVID hit. I think we were on on target to get a pay raise this year, which would have been uh, you know uh, which would have added to what that that forty nine thousand make would probably push us over the fifty thousand. But again, you know that that has affected everything. It is, it has affected tax revenue and what have you, and so that's going to be have to be. Uh, postpone. But I think that we're right where we need to be in order to to recruit and to uh, uh, to, to to sustain our workforce. Will that okay. have a dramatic okay. impact? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, that's okay. We're just kind of coming to the end of our time together. So if we kind of want to start thinking sure. about final questions, All right? Okay. Thanks.
1: Kind of on that subject, I mean, will that alone help reduce gun violence, bringing back? Uh, the full roster of uh, city police officers or, yeah, i mean it yeah, will probably that, require that other alone,
2: things too right yeah yeah as we get back to that alone no that alone will not will not uh uh have the, the full impact is that all the resources that we mentioned hey we still got to have, still got to have the cure violence type programs you still have to have uh, uh help from uh, uh organizations like urban league and better family life those are those are all important for community. remember, remember now we're fighting against uh, uh, kind of systemic uh, social ills in these neighborhoods. So, so, and, but now watch this. How will it help? I, if I were, if I were able to add 25, what what I could do with that number of officers back at authorized strength, that would be 25 officers more per district. Now that's a whole platoon of people. And so, rather than talking about not only having assistance from our Bureau of Invest- Bureau of Specialized Enforcement, now I have uh, an extra 20 officers to focus on areas that that pop up that that have uh, violent crime surges or what have you. So just imagine that 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 greater degree of visibility, that greater de- degree of community engagement, that greater degree uh, with respect to response time. To have a full complement of officers will definitely go in that uh, help reduce violent crime with, with no doubt about. it.
1: Last question, I guess I wanna leave it with you, Chief, is what else should the public know about the police department's efforts to get a hold of violent crime, gun violence in particular in St. Louis? Is there anything that isn't maybe obvious to people that they should know that you feel like is really important?
2: I think, again, I want people to know that the St. Louis Police Department is working very hard every day. We, I've, I've day. Ad- I've added a sergeant and six detectives to the homicide division. You know, we are really working hard to meet expectation when it comes to violent crime reduction, what people don't know is that is is sometimes if you're getting back to the to the the witness cooperation, and what people don't know is that so, so, sometimes a lot of people uh, uh, overestimate. Well, couldn't they put two and two together without me getting involved? And so I don't think I can emphasize enough that we still very much need a lot of uh, witness assistance in order to and uh, to make our neighborhoods safe, safer. I've seen some instances on TV where people are sharing their um, um, uh, doorbell camera information. That's that's very helpful to us. But again, so community it takes the it takes it takes the community and the police department to work together to make our to make our crime numbers go down, our violent crime numbers go down. And I think that uh, as as we go forward, greater community assistance, greater witness assistance, is really going to help us uh, uh, ring real things in. I really believe that.
1: Well, we want to thank you for your time, Chief.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you both.
0: Yes, thanks so much. And the um, project on gun violence is going to be on stltoday.com, Kansas City Star, I think some other newspapers in Missouri as well. Um, As always, you can find that, all those stories on our website and more podcasts at stltoday.com backslash podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. Um, As always, we ask you to subscribe so we can keep doing the work that um, Joel and other reporters and photographers are doing on this um, and similar podcasts. I'm Leah Thorson. This was Inside the Post-Dispatch. Thanks for listening.